Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. Employers across the U.S. and here in North Carolina report they have more jobs available than the number of qualified applicants to fill them. Work-based learning opportunities have been expanding here for both students and educators to give them greater exposure to the rapidly changing workplace. This week, we're gonna explore some promising efforts to help close the skills gap by linking business and education to benefit both employers and our students. Before we tackle our main topic, we open with Edlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. Graham County in the mountains of North Carolina is now the only school system in the state that allows corporal punishment after the Robeson County Board of Education voted six to five last week to end paddling. In 2013, the State Board of Education came out against spanking and paddling students and encouraged local school systems to end the punishments, but North Carolina law left it up to individual school systems to decide. One of the country's largest for-profit charter school chains, Charter Schools USA, has abandoned plans for what would have been one of the state's largest charter schools. The Triangle Charter Education Association and Charter Schools USA had planned to open a 2,000-student K-12 charter school in Cary. Now, the Triangle Charter Education Association cited continuing challenges throughout the development process. Many residents had expressed concern about traffic and that Western Wake County had plenty of school options already. Nationally, approximately one in five teachers work at least one other job, according to a national teacher and principal survey released last month. Historically, North Carolina teachers have had some of the highest rates in terms of holding second jobs. Winston-Salem Forsyth School Superintendent Beverly Emery says we, should must, we must keep a sense of urgency around teacher compensation until a second job becomes purely a choice and not a must for our teachers. Finally, congratulations to my friend and former state representative Gene Arnold. Gene was recognized last week with the Order of the Longleaf Pine by Governor Cooper for his decades of public service. In addition to his career in business and in the legislature, Gene served as chairman of the Public School Forum and we were honored to present it to him last week. Now remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters and read more about it, these headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. Now, as I said at the top of the show, we're going to talk about work-based learning. And up first, we're going to talk about some efforts going on right here in North Carolina to better link education, educators, and business. And joining us, we have two great guests. We have Albert Eckel. Albert is here as the board chairman of the North Carolina Business Committee for Education. If you don't know NCBCE, they're a nonprofit, but they're, they're housed in the governor's office, and they're, their mission you know, through Republicans and Democratic administrations have been to better link um, business and education. So Albert, thanks for being here. Good Next morning. to Albert is Tracy Bell. Uh, Tracy is a media specialist at Glenwood Elementary in Chatham, sorry, Chapel Hill Carborough Schools. Yes. Um, and, but she is also part of something called the North Carolina Teacher Voice Network. She's a fellow with that group, which is an organization we've had on the show before to talk about that gives voice to teachers. So thank you for being here. Um, Albert, I want to start with you. Uh, two initiatives that NCBCE has launched, and I think you've been uh, personally very involved with it and the organization, is called Teachers at Work and Students at Work. Tracy's going to talk in a minute about her experience through Teachers at Work. But I guess tell me a little bit, what are these two initiatives of NCBCE? Sure, and good morning. Thank you for having me. Sure. Uh, students at Work is pretty simple. Uh, students at Work has started about 10 years ago. 
Uh, first gentleman Bob Eves, uh, Governor Purdue's uh, husband, actually helped spearhead that. And it really started over a conversation that the two of, two of us had with uh, one another where he was talking about an initiative he had in Craven County. Mm -hmm. uh, students' work is focused on middle school students. Uh, statistics show that middle schools really, really when we're losing students. We look, like to look at it from the standpoint of that's really when we're gaining students. Uh, students is work, at work is really focused on engaging uh, the business community as well as with students. Allowing students to understand what's happening within their communities and allowing the businesses within those communities to come in and actually educate students on what it is that's out there. Uh, that provides a couple of things. One, it provides an opportunity to understand what businesses and what skills are uh, within a community. And it really helps understand, helps students rather understand what are the skills that they're going to need to create a pathway towards uh, something within their community to where they can have a job. So is the, uh, and, and, and Trace is going to talk about Herxman, but I'm guessing then teachers at work sort of, a, I guess, a similar, very similar, very similar concept, but, but these are the ones that you want them to help what impart what's going on in the work. Right. I mean, you can't just, you know, address one leg of the stool, right? right? Uh, so clearly students at work is focused on teachers. Uh, teachers at work is focused on st uh, t uh, teachers, rather, right? pardon me. Um, actually, just last week I had a teacher in my small business actually shadow myself and others. It really helps teachers understand what are the businesses that are out there, and more importantly, what are the skills that are needed within those businesses so they can actually help implement those within their own classrooms. Right. Well, Tracy, I'm, um, you, know, uh, you and I talked, you had a great experience, and I think we're gonna, we're gonna pull some pictures up on the screen of your time at Lenovo, uh, you know, which has, of course, a huge operation here in the Resource Triangle Park. Tell me about your experience um, with uh, teachers at work and, uh, and what you did at Lenovo. Well, it was extremely impactful. I knew that Lenovo offered product, offered computers, but I didn't know the K-12 solution that they had for students, for teachers, to help them to transform their digital innovative experiences. So it was a powerful experience for me. And I mean, as an educator, I mean, you're, you're a media specialist, so you're obviously working with students every day. I mean, I mean you want to help them get prepared, right? And so, I mean, and, and look, I mean, we're in the education business world. I mean, it's, it is two different worlds in many ways, right? So this was, I, I guess, a, a valuable bridge for you. Yes, this is part of what we do as media specialists. We try to make sure that students have the information literacy skills that they need to actually become viable uh, parts of the working community. So we want to make sure that they have those team building experiences, those partnership experiences that are needed, those, uh, those activities that will have them to start thinking critically and to problem solve. The, these, these skills are all part of 21st century learning and what is needed in the workforce. Right. So uh, it sounds like to me, I mean, Tracy's probably uh, sort of singing what you want to hear, right? I mean, that's, that's really the whole goal of these initiatives. It, it really is. And uh, I, I talked about this last week at a North Carolina Chamber Conference. A lot of this is about soft skills. Uh, soft skills are uh, something that a, a lot of us actually mm -hmm. kind of miss. Uh, we all focus on uh, the technical skills, and we want to make sure that we continue to implement those and teach those. But a lot of what students at work and teachers at work are really promoting and helping to uh, create understanding around is the importance of soft skills, showing up on time. How do you work within a group? How do you work within a team? How do you be a leader? How do you actually take data, reflect that back, and be able to tell a story around that data so you can actually help you know, either influence or persuade someone as it relates to what it is your idea that you're trying to perpetuate? 
it's, uh, it's something that a lot of students aren't really taught in the classrooms, and it's of no fault that anyone, um, in our opinion, the business community actually needs to step up and actually be part of this solution and be part of this discussion. And that's quite frankly what NCBCE is trying to do and try to lead that discussion. Well, that's a great point about the subject, Trace, because I mean, what you were just, when you mentioned it, you were talking about critical thinking skills and different things. You didn't mention like, oh, well, I saw this, the latest technology they're using here and I want to make sure my students know that. I mean, that, that latest technology, by the time your elementary school students get to the workplace, it's not going to be there, right? But it does provide a context of knowledge for students to be able to give, to give them an opportunity to see um, where they fit in, how that curriculum can link to those soft skills that you're, you're speaking yeah. of and those workforce skills that you're speaking of. The North Carolina Standard Course of Study says that what we're trying to do is prepare students to be career and college ready. So we have to begin to, as educators, um, what National Board Certification says at the, at the core is that we are committed to those students and their learning, and then we are part of learning communities, not just our school, but we're thinking broad. And so we're thinking about going into those businesses and having those business come, businesses come to us to make sure that our students have enriching experiences, that it's, there's liberation for all students. Right. Just, so we, we, just we're about to wrap up, but Albert, we, I know we, I've got a graphic I wanted to pull up because yeah. I think it, it sort of just quickly goes over sort of the different levels of what kind of engagement we're looking at. Yeah, so from the business standpoint, we'll look at it in, in sort of a three-step continuum, career awareness, career exploration, and career experience. Obviously, for awareness, it's, it's where you see your career fairs, you have guest speakers come in. Uh, we think it starts very young. We think that's very important to begin to actually you know, create that awareness and that opportunity of what's out there for those students. Career exploration, uh, we think about mentoring. I think uh, students at work really helps fall into this uh, program as well. Uh, we think about science fairs, et cetera. Then a career experience. Uh, I think we all are aware of internships and apprenticeships. That's where a student uh, and a teacher, quite frankly, are really engaging directly within a uh, business and they have really the opportunity to actually get those soft skills, get those technical skills uh, that everyone actually, quite frankly, needs as we, uh, we, we move into the next Terrific. Century. Well, these, these sounds like great programs. I'm glad that you had that opportunity and we, we, it sounds like we need to get more businesses involved yes. and, more, and more students and teachers involved. So look, thank you both for being here with us today. Absolutely. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with a closer look at North Carolina Community Colleges and the role that they play in work-based learning. But before we go to break, see if you can answer this question. In 1973, 28% of jobs in the U.S. required some post-secondary education and training. What is that percentage forecast to be in just two years, 2020? Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Paragon Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer D, 65%? According to a recent study out of Georgetown University, by 2020, 65% of all jobs will require some post-secondary education and training. We're gonna continue our discussion of work-based learning with a focus on community colleges and joining with us this morning are Molly Osborne. Molly is the Director of Policy and Engagement with EdNC. EdNC is one of the go-to sources for education information and they're, they're doing a lot of focus on community colleges. We're gonna talk about that. 
Next to her is Dr. Matthew Meyer. He is the Associate Vice President of North Carolina Community Colleges for Business Engagement, National and International Partnerships. So I'm just guessing by your title that what we were just talking about uh, with Albert um, and Tracy in the first half is the kind of things that you like to see um, community colleges involved in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, business engagement, uh, working to, to, uh, to identify opportunities for our students to get that work experience. Um, you know, it's been a great partnership that the community colleges have had with uh, not only EdNC, but also uh, NCBCE, and, and, and really trying to change that cultural norm around work-based learning. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. Um, you know, I, I don't want to go too long, but, we, you know, it's... Preach on. Yeah, you know, community <laughs> colleges, that's, uh, you know, we like to do that, but we really want to change that cultural norm. We want students coming into higher education to think about work-based learning the same way they do English or math classes. It's just, I've got to take it because of the skills, the employability skills that you get out of work-based learning are so important. Now, and, and I, you know, when I think about, you know, with, I mean, community colleges, I mean, work to me, work-based learning and workplace, um, at least in my, sort of my mind's eye of, uh, of community college, I grew up in Fayetteville. I mean, uh, Fayetteville Community College was, you know, it was, it was FTI back then when I was growing up, uh, Fayetteville Technical Institute, but it was, I mean, I think about that was a place where there were like, it looked, a lot of the classrooms looked like workplaces. So I guess I've always sort of a, a sort of thought about community college, and, and I, I, I think that's still true, but uh, it sounds like to me also that it's not just the community colleges, but, um, you know, our university systems, too, are really trying to um, smooth that transition for students um, into, into a productive career. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's, you know, we know that we have to start early with kids, and with community colleges, it's, it's sort of an unfunded mandate that we work with our public school system to begin to talk about those careers and talk about the opportunities and, and the seamless career pathways through uh, all the way through high school, community college, and into our, our, our wonderful public universities. Um, and then hopefully a whole, all along that career track, that education track, there's opportunities to be at an employer to, to get those work-based learning experiences. Now, Molly, in your, um, your work with EdNC, um, I mean, you've, you've spent some time at community colleges and also in, in schools. I mean, is this something, I guess, is it, is, are you seeing more of it? Is it or maybe is it, it's, it's been going on for a while and um, you know, we're all just starting to talk about it more? So I think kind of both ends. So it's certainly we've seen more of it, and it's something that um, we've visited so far about 15 community colleges since last November. And we keep hearing over and over those same things that Albert was saying that, you know, students need more soft skills and employers are coming back to these community colleges and asking how they can design curriculum around those issues. Um, but it is something that, you know, we're seeing programs where, you know, there is an identified need from industry and they come into the community college and say, you know, we would like our students to be prepared for this industry and then they'll develop together a curriculum or a program around that. And now they're starting to work with the K-12 schools to integrate that completely. So um, I was at Foresight Tech uh, about a month ago and we saw a cybersecurity program um, that is providing a full um, stipend, full tuition for two years for community college students, and then they go directly into a job um, with the government or end up teaching. And so that's kind of one of the bigger needs that we've been hearing is the cybersecurity. Um, well, em employers are seeking those skills even more. Well, I mean, speaking of the, the kind of skills, I in my own, you know, my own background in, in, the, in professional work. I mean, I work for Progress Energy, you now Duke Energy. I worked for Time Warner Cable, now Spectrum. Uh, but I remember both of those companies had very. We had specific programs and partnerships with with certain community colleges with training people. And so again, but I but I, but my, here's my question: Is um, we talk we keep talking about these soft skills and sort of I've always sort of think 
there used to be a sort of feeling that schools got kids ready to learn, they, they taught them certain things, got to a certain level, but then it was up to the businesses. It was really their responsibility to train them uh, for the actual job that they were going to do. Has that changed? No, I think what has changed is technology. So uh, we see evolving, uh, rapidly emerging technology, and it's challenging for industry. It's challenging for those businesses to, to stay up as well, as is it's challenging for our community colleges to keep up with that changing technology. Uh, I think if, uh, I've seen in classroom, I used to be in a classroom, I, I taught up at Asheville Buncombe Technical Community College when I started my career, and we, we would put people in teams try, trying to disseminate the, those uh, employability skills, and, but you get so focused on the technology that sometimes you miss you know, that uh, grit and, and, and resiliency, mm -hmm. that, you know, individuals need in the workplace and the ability to communicate. So you're so focused on the technology and programming that PLC or that robot or whatever. Um, I, I don't think, it, it's just become more challenging with it, the evolving uh, technology that we have out there in the industry. Right, now we talked about, um, you, you, you were just describing some things you'd already seen, but I wanna make sure um, uh, that we don't run out of time that we get a chance to talk about. You guys are getting ready to blitz. I think if I read it correctly, um, you're going to visit all 58 community colleges next week? Yes, so we will visit almost all 58 community colleges next week. We're actually starting. Um, our CEO, Mebin Rash, will be at Halifax Community College this Friday to kick it off. And then we'll be seeing about 55 of them next week. So our staff will spread out across the state. Um, we each have our own region. We'll be visiting one or two community colleges per day. And, getting to see you know, the great things that they're doing um, at those schools. Now, uh, just sort of, a, sort of a, uh, what do you want me coming on a show like this and also working with Ed and see, I guess, what do you want the community, I mean, parents who are watching the show, right, um, right. Uh, thinking about their kids, what do you want them to know about community colleges? Right, I, we're the best kept secret in the state. And we don't want to be that best kept secret anymore. Uh, students can, in high school, begin taking community college class for free for free, you know, it's just, come on, repeat uh, that again? for free. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it transfers up through. And, and then the other thing that kind of scares me, if I, if I could talk about some fears, is um, are the trades. And, and through community colleges, you don't need an associate's degree to get a great job in construction or transportation. And, and that's what I want parents to begin to understand that it's not your old school uh, on the roof in the hot with a hammer anymore. Things right. have changed. There's technology, and we can disseminate that through our community colleges. Um, kids can get out debt-free. They don't have to have all that education debt that they're building up through our, our, our higher education system. Right, I understand. Well, look, thank you for being here sure. and telling us about that. We'll look forward to seeing what you guys uh, uh, show us next week uh, with about community colleges. Thanks, Molly. Thank you. Thank you. After the break, this week's Leadership Spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals who demonstrate exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week, we're spotlighting Elaine Franklin with the Keenan Fellows Program. Keenan Fellows Program is for practicing teachers. It's a teacher professional development program. We're trying to recruit 
teachers into the program who aspire to have a greater impact. We know that they're having a tremendous impact in their own classrooms and they are already considering how can I help other teachers um, and how can I have a greater voice in my profession. Probably the most unique thing about the program is a three-week internship that the teacher in a STEM industry or in um, a STEM research setting. It could be in an agricultural industry or it could be with a university researcher. We want those STEM internships to be in their communities. We want them to understand what kinds of STEM jobs are in their communities because that's how they can make it more relevant to the students. It's often not the technologies um, or the research that's happening behind those doors, but it's, it's understanding um, how people work in those settings. And how that might be different than how their classrooms are set up. We have lots of teachers who come back and say, I'm reorganizing my classroom based on what I saw um, in my internship and I'm teaching differently. I'm teaching more in teams now because we hear that collaboration is important, but when I went into Biogen or um, you know the Murtech, um, wherever they were doing their internship, they saw how those teams work together. We know that there is a, a tremendous gap, a tremendous workforce gap in STEM. And um, we believe that we can make a difference in filling that gap. But that has to happen by kids understanding um, how science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, what that means in the workplace and, um, and how they can get there and why they would want to get there. It's given them the confidence to be able to, to reach out and do some things that they might have hesitated to do before. The word empowerment comes up a lot, that they feel empowered to make a difference. A lot of them have become interested in advocacy and advocating for policies that are good for their students and good for education. This isn't an end point for them. It's almost like an entry into growth, into being, um, I would like to call it, the extreme education professional. If you know someone that deserves to be recognized, please visit our website, ncforum.org, and click on Education Matters, and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. Without a doubt, the workplace has changed dramatically. There are very few jobs that don't require some advanced technical skills. For years, I worked for both an electric utility company and a cable company. Sure, we had plenty of linemen and women put on coveralls and crawl under a house to install services or make repairs, but you know what? They also had to use electronic digital equipment to test voltage and signal strengths, maybe reconfigure settings on a homeowner's computer or home security systems, and then of course look up their next calls on a mobile device or truck laptop. Now, schools have changed a lot too. The level and diversity of our classes that our students are taking today and the higher and higher standards they meet are incredible. So it's not like our schools and teachers and principals have been standing still while only the business world has changed. But the pace of change is remarkable, which is why programs and initiatives like we heard about today are so important. Look, we know that the most important thing our teachers want to do is prepare their students, and the students want to know what skills they need, and business can help by both by creating opportunities for students and for teachers and by working with our state's universities and community colleges to make that transition from K-12 to college to work more seamless. Here's something else business leaders can do. 
advocate with elected officials for our schools and for more investment in our public schools. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for watching and make sure you tune in next week for a brand new Education Matters.